Hello and welcome to the Peace Gamer podcast. This is the third, I believe, official uh, Peace Gamer podcast. Uh, with me today in the Peace Gamer studio are Tom Francis. That's Tom Francis. Hello, Tom. <laughs> Writer. That's it. And uh, extraordinary freelancer Kieran Gillen. Hello, Kieran. Word. Thank you very much. And uh, John Walker, extraordinary freelancer as well. Hello, John. I'm just like another extraordinary freelancer. There's so many of them. They're just ten a penny. Um, that music at the uh, at the start of the podcast, in case you're wondering, uh, was sent in by one of our readers, uh, a fellow called Ashley Ward. Um, and that was, in case you hadn't spotted it, the Battlefield theme tune. I think that was from the original Battlefield, Tom. Do we? Uh, we think 1942, although oh. there's a similar kind of music used in the intros of all the Battlefields. But yeah. Battlefield 2 had a kind of Middle Eastern version of it going over the menu, and 2142 didn't have any version of it at all on the menus, okay. which I think is criminal, because as you could hear there, it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, I think Ashley did a great job there. Uh, he sent it in because we asked you to. If you remember the last podcast with Al Beckham and his crazy banjo, and uh, inspired me to ask you for yours. Thank you to everyone who sent them in, and uh, I thought Ashley's was the best. Should we send him a prize? Yeah, I think so. Send him Kieran. Maybe your left toe? My left toe? <laughs> Jesus, man. He's got five left toes. I, I was, I was thinking maybe a game. You know. <laughs> what, what sort of game? Well, where are we going to Battlefield? I don't know. I don't think he's got that. <laughs> That'll be ironic. <laughs> anyway, we are here to talk serious gaming matters, as, as ever, so let's stop talking about my toes and, uh, and, and get on to the uh, matters of the day. Um, I thought we might have a look, quick look at the charts. This is becoming uh, traditional now. Um, unfortunately, they, yeah, they, they just don't seem to change enough uh, for my liking. Should we have a quick run through from five to one? Do you want to know what's the number five, gents? No. No. Yes. It's The Sims 2 Seasons. No way. It's, it's normally at this point where Tim Edwards would make a joke about what your favourite seasoning, <laughs> seasoning is. Unfortunately, he's moving house, so, so we've, uh, we've not got him to make that There's joke. There's just no way we could emulate that without no, him. Right? I, 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 <laughs> time. Time. That's, that's very metaphysical of you. Um, at number four, <laughs> World of Warcraft, The Burning Crusade, which I don't think we're still not talking about World of Warcraft. No, I think it's I'm a having a break from World of Warcraft. I'm playing other games. Are you? Yeah, it's like um, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend or something. Quite traumatic. So you just like, are you, are you just playing each game for one night and then leaving it in the morning? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm doing. Exhausted um, and empty inside. It's, 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 it's spiritually unfulfilling, I have to say. Um, at, at some point, I am going to get back together with something. For String it. of miserable games left in your wake. Yeah, you know, just kick them out the door in the morning and say, yeah, wow. see you later. Cold. I'm that kind of guy. Cold. That's how I've always lived, is the thing. Yes. I'm from game to game, or game in every town, me. <laughs> I just. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to your girlfriend about this. I've only ever played one game in my whole life. I'll be oh. faithful to it. Oh, isn't that sweet? He's such a nice guy. You're a monogamist. <laughs> hey! Oh, yes, very good. Oh, yes, I get that. <laughs> Kieran catches up with the rest of the podcast. Um, number three is Football Manager 2007. Anyone have anything petty to say about that? It's the off season. There's no football. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, why are people still buying it? Well, I guess because there's no football to, to watch. Yeah. Well, um, number two um, is CNC three Tiberium Wars, which is which is doing quite well. It's been out what about twelve weeks now. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so high Start there, number two. Yeah. I won't it? stop buying it. Oh, well, artists always do well, um, yeah. especially the big sorry the big name artists. They kind of do well. And we kind of forget how well they do. They stick around the charts. And the, my standard observation is I went, when I went last time I worked for the sales figures, which was about two thousand and two. Now, um, <laughs> what have you been doing for the last five years? <laughs> well, not look at sales charts because I don't work in the magazine anymore. Uh, it was you know the, the average selling big big name RTS sold twice as many as the average selling big name uh, FPS. Yeah. As uh, so, you know, uh, Age of Empires was selling like 150k in England, UT was selling about 75k, and all the way through, there was, Half-Life is the only exception to that. That's a fair point. It's true. The, 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 the strategy market is, is massive, uh, I believe is the technical term they use in, in marketing. 
Um, good. And speaking of, of uh, popular things... Popular massive. Popular <laughs> massive things. This, that's a cheap shot. Uh, it's, it's Lara, Tomb Raider at number one. Tomb Raider anniversary, that is, in case you're getting confused. I, I nearly put Tomb Raider legend on, on, on the mag cover when we were, <coughs> I had to write it on the cover. Nearly sent it to the printer for Tomb Raider legend. It? I was confused because, well, it's been a year since the last one. Yeah. yeah. And, it's the anniversary. Um, and it's, it's rather good. I mean, I, I think we're... Do you think we're in danger of them just doing what they did with the first few Tomb Raiders all those years ago, where they'd just release one every year and they got a little bit worse each time? Until we get to Angel of Darkness anniversary and exactly. the whole thing collapses. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the thing is, Crystal Dynamics, this game's better than the last one, which is already a reverse, I think, of cause progression mm. with the series. So that's a good sign. Um, wasn't two better than one? I think so, but everyone else disagrees. So I was just going with the majority. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not reversal, it's an exact copy of the sequence. Okay, well, I, I, okay, fair enough. History is repeating itself, literally. I Craig, thought... Craig, Craig made an interesting point with, with, in his review of um, the new Tomb Raider anniversary, which is that um, it's, it's kind of made the, the, the same mistake that the original did, which is that, hey, it just didn't really need combat. Mm. The jumping around and exploring and puzzle solving was kind of enough in itself. But that's highlighted by today's, you know, we expect there to be great combat in the likes of Prince of Persia or something. And Tomb Raider University comes along and just recreates the original with the old floor, which is that the combat wasn't much good. Well, I think the Prince of Persia series would be drastically improved without any combat as well. Yeah. It'd be a bit shorter as well. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I think people are just really afraid. They feel like they, they're required to include it. Mm. Yeah. And as you say, it would be shorter without it, so they'd have to make a lot more content to actually kind of fulfill their days. This is weird. Work. <laughs> yeah. I have a quick question about this. I agree. Yeah. Let's uh, hear it, John. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Your Tomb Raider anniversary, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates, um, they've rejigged Prince of Persia on the Xbox. Is gaming reaching a new maturity now, where it's got games old enough that remakes are a <laughs> maturity is one are we, word for it? <laughs> are we going to get into enough. the position with like with movies where? Some hideous remake of, of a Hitchcock classic gets churned out every couple of years. Yeah, I, I suppose it is a, a sign of maturity for for good and for ill. I mean, I think it's that there are there's a limited amount of creativity in the world, <laughs> and there are some great games out there now. I think we're already at that stage. I mean, look at the Bard's Tale, for example. Yeah, you know, uh, we've got we've already at a point where we we take games which have a name for a long period of time and we're doing it. You know, I think we're already there. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to be better at it than Hollywood are with remaking old classics, though. Because I think, I'm not sure the techniques of making films have advanced to a stage where you actually make a better film because of them. Whereas with games, technology has made them dramatically more playable and more accessible. And more so it's, of, it's no bad thing that we're, that we're seeing so many remakes? No, I think probably remakes are going to be fairly successful compared mm. to the so awful Hollywood drivers. There's a mod floating around where someone's going to completely redo all the graphics in Deus Ex. So it's the original game with up-to-date graphics. There's a, there's a few things like that going around at the moment. It seems to be a very popular thing. I mean, there was one for uh, Privateer, the old Elite-type clone. Yeah, I sort of take issue with... There's um, one for System Shock 2 and um, one for Thief 3. Um, and I think the, the Deus Ex one is along a similar vein, where the textures are much higher resolution, and they're much shinier and kind of more smooth and stuff. But it just doesn't gel with the original art style. Like System Shock yeah. 2 is really kind of ugly and... Well, the graphics are ugly in themselves, but actually they're depicting really ugly, horrible things. And the high-res version, because the, the artists who are doing it aren't the original artists, they just kind of blend in the in-between bits, and it gives this a kind of cartoony, shaded look that kind of really doesn't fit with the theme of the game. Well, well they're not professional artists. I mean, not, not, not to yeah. be fair, I think that's the reason why they're worse, is that they don't have 
they don't. The, fact, the, the, the fact that they're, they're devoting themselves to remaking someone else's game kind of implies they don't perhaps have the artistic vision. Mm. You know what I mean? They haven't the idea of a coherent aspect. They're just essentially. <laughs> I remember doing Invisible War when, of course, Invisible War came out, and there was other people doing high res mods for that. Dude, they're, they're just as ugly as the original game with more polygons, you know. Um, right. And there's that kind. Of, but there, that's there's, why there's, it's there's kind a of big futile, unless you're professionals doing it, and then you can sort of have a high yeah. level thing. So there is a big distinction between the, the mod makers having a go at these things and, and the pros, which is a spectacularly good segue. To the next <laughs> thing I wanted to talk about. I thought I've got a segue coming on. Um, yeah, it's, it's whenever I start talking in my, my <laughs> poncy voice. Um, and it ties <laughs> in no also... Yeah, we're, uh, uh, Fallout. Fallout 3. Uh, also talking about uh, ugly originals. Um, the new issue of PC Game, which is out on the uh, 5th of July, um, which is probably around the time you're listening to this, I hope, um, Unless you're a time traveller from the future. We, we've, yes, we, we always struggle with this. I think, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Um, Fallout 3, as made by Bethesda, and I went over and saw them, and as they put it, this is their homage to Fallout. They are huge Fallout fans. Well, that's what they say. I don't know, they could, they could tell me anything. Um, <laughs> but it looks fantastic. It is, it's a reimagining. It's in very 21st century technology. Um, and I am personally very excited which is why we decided to get it on the cover of PC Gamer. But this is one of those games where, am I right in thinking that everyone out there is also a fan of this game? Did it actually not sell that well originally? So I've been, I've been having sleepless nights wondering whether this was a bad choice to make for the PC Gamer <laughs> cover. What do we think? What's, what's, what's the buzz about Fallout now? I actually was one of the few who didn't play it in the office. Um, well, you were probably about four at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why, thank you, sir. Um, but I'm excited about it because it's Bethesda and because it's an I was, Oblivion engine. I was going to say the same. I, I really don't think that the Fallout name is a selling point as much as people might hope because it's something that older people remember mm. and they presumably want that this is a game being released you know, for a new generation. But I really think Oblivion and, and Bethesda are the names that will sell Fallout 3. Interesting. I, mean, I, I don't entirely agree with everyone else. In fact, I think it's almost a liability having the Fallout name. Really? Yeah, Fallout 3. I mean, apart, I, won't, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out being called Fallout colon something else. Fallout Vengeance. Yeah, they mm. think they've promised it won't. I, yeah, but promises? <laughs> Developers? Please, please. <laughs> here's, here's the reason to be excited about Fallout 3, by the way. Cool. One of the lead design level designers uh, designed the rooftop level in Thief 2. Ah. Is that Emil? Uh, no. No, oh, that's what I Is it Emil? Oh. Emil pa- Pagliarulo. Yes, it is Emil. Yes. Sorry, I was wrong. Yes, it's Emil. He's lovely. Isn't he a nice chap? He's the loveliest man. Yeah, he's, he reminds me of John Walker in many ways. <laughs> oh, thanks. Bearded and cuddly. Yeah. Which had a nice piece of game moment. Emil used to be a game streamer. He used to work for Avolt. Really? Yeah. He was the editor of Avolt, in wow. fact. Yeah. Happy days. Well, yes. So I think uh, the consensus is we're all excited, but for different reasons. I think that's, that's a good thing. That's one thing Bethesda have really got going for them mm. there is that fans of Bethesda, fans of uh, Oblivion, fans of Fallout, various different kind of fans hopefully are going to come together with this. I think there is still a lot of... I mean, I was really surprised by some of the, the, the commentary when uh, Bethesda announced they were going to be making a Fallout game. Most people just saying, oh, they can't do dialogue and they made all these mistakes in Oblivion that they also made in Morrowind. They obviously can't change their way of doing things. Um, and just seem to be very, very ready to, to jump all over them for, 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 for even attempting it. The Fallout community is vehement, to say the least. <laughs> I, mean, I, I quite like lurking on M- NMA. Uh, can, we, can we name people? 
Uh, like who? New, no Mutants Allowed, which of course is... Yes, the yeah, fan side. They're vehement, to say the least, aren't they? Yeah. Um, which is... Well... Vehement in the same way, I don't know. Stalin was vehement. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's understandable when you've got... Mm, you I know, understand they've, the they've, passion. They're fans who've been, who've been let down by the fact that the... You know, there was going to be a Fallout 3 made by Interplay and that had to be canned. Mm. Um, which, looking at the tech demo, actually, which was leaked out a couple of months back, quite glad they didn't release it. It didn't look, like, didn't look up to much to me. And the fact that it's getting this amazingly high-tech, um, uh, you know, reimagining is, is very exciting. Although it is over a year away, so we're going to we're gonna have to think and talk about other games for the next 15 months or so. I'm not sure it's too unfair a position to worry about the dialogue because the dialogue in Oblivion is rubbish. It's a wonderful game. It's a brilliant game. But the conversations of the Views expressed in this podcast are those of the individual themselves and are not attributable to me, so don't sue me. You can't sue me. about rubbish? Rubbish is a bit strong. Hello, are you the Grey Fox? Hello, I'm the Grey Fox. Hello, goodbye. Hello. That's what I heard. a typical Oblivion conversation. I've heard others say the same. Yeah, no, I can imagine that people... Joe, here's an interesting fact. Yeah, I think in Oblivion there's something like 2,000 NPCs. So it's several I, I thousand. Thought it was 1,000, yeah. actually. Well, it's, it's over 1,000 anyway. In Fallout 3, it's only about two or 300. Really? Mm-hmm. Much, there's far fewer people. And I asked them about this, and they said, yeah, each one is getting much more individuality. There'll be far less, if any, repeated dialogue. And so everyone's going to be much more... More unique is, is terrible. Yeah, account, but more of them will be unique. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we're going to be hearing the same degree of <clears throat> repetition. Uh, in, in dialogue, I guess yeah. kind of yeah. creating a, a bustling atmosphere in a living, breathing world is kind of counterproductive when you're making a post-apocalyptic. <laughs> That's true. A post-apocalyptic world is, by necessity, slightly bleak. <laughs> the greeting should be, stay, you stay away from my dog. That's pretty much everyone says, I would imagine, when they meet each other. Yeah, well, a very good example, actually, mm-hmm. um, as they, they showed us um, over in, in their studios, they, they said, right, you know, here's, here's a kind of a ruined town, it's kind of, kind of a bit of a shanty town. And you go in there, and you and you kind of you you go near to a mercenary, and he just says something like, "You looking at me? You you starting something?" Rather than "Hello, have you heard of the Grey Fox?" You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's much more sort of um, uh, naturalistic. Yes, naturalistic. And and I think the fact that it is not a world at peace with a kind of a ruling uh, government um, gives them much more scope to have people with very different motivations and and situations. I think they've really kind of gone into this with a mind of a love of interplay games mm. as well as a mind of you know developing mm. these fantastic world based games yeah. so i really think they have i, I, I don't th- I, I mean while i'm negative about the dialogue in oblivion i really think that they've they've really thought carefully and they've really thought about what interplay did and what it made interplay games great and focused on that that looks quite hopeful yeah all that wasn't a, i know interplay games yeah before that wasn't a typical inter- i know it was a couple when it kind of kicked it off but for like kind of stand slightly separate from the Baldur's Gate lineage, for I know Baldur's Gate is Bioware, but that whole that whole lineage down the line, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's a lot more open than say any of any of the other games. It was that kind of okay, yes, at the beginning of Fallout, you meant to march to the east, but you don't have to march to the east. I can march down south and probably get killed That's by right. rad spiders. Yeah, you, you sort of rad scorpions. You, you you do have that that open world. But then again, you know what interplay RPG was run of the mill. Look at Planescape. Mm. I mean, they each had their their defining features, and in fact, probably it's the Baldur's Gate games they were produced by by Interplay um, were the most traditional, the most stereotypical, um, but uh, um, still pretty damn good. 
Yes. Anyway, well, enough about Fallout. Actually, I do have another great segue, but we're, but we're going to skip it for a little bit. I want to come back to it. It's about, it's about, skip the segue. It's about nuclear bunkers. We're going to come back to it in a bit. First of all, I wanted to talk a little bit about Manhunt 2. Well, not about Manhunt 2, but about this whole idea of banning games. Um, so, just to fill you in, if you've been uh, living in a games cave, um, Manhunt 2 has been denied a, uh, a certificate by the BBFC uh, for the UK, so it cannot be sold here in the UK. That's the, the situation that stands. Now, we just said a couple of days ago, actually, it's, it's going to be allowed on sale in the US under an adults-only um, thing, which is quite but, rare. But um, isn't it the case that, play, that Sony and Nintendo won't allow adults-only games on their consoles, and those are the only two consoles that it was going to be coming out for? Is that right? Yeah. Shit. So I think that means yeah. it can't be released in America. It's quite it's almost dangerous to talk about this story, not because of X, Y, and Z issues, because the gap between us talking about this and it coming out... I imagine the situation will have changed considerably in the yeah, next like, 20 days. So that kind case, of, that's a good reason to dodge the specifics, I think, just because we can't... No, that's a fair point. What do we feel then about the practice of effectively banning games? I mean, is, is that... We have to have some kind, of, some kind of board of control to say, you know, you can't just do anything the hell you like in, the, in, in media, in the same way that you know, that, that there are restrictions on films. This is, this is public material that, that people can go and buy. Are we agreed that you have to have some kind of restriction? I'm fully in support of it. Yeah. And from what the BBC say about Manhunt 2, it sounds like it should be banned. I'm not convinced the first one shouldn't have been banned. And I'm also not convinced that Hitman Blood Money, my second favourite game ever, shouldn't have been banned. <laughs> Strong words. So, so th this is down to, now, I don't have the exact wording in front of me, but it's basically the point of the game is extraordinary violence. There is no other avenues to go down. Yeah, they said something like there are no other pleasures to be had or something like that. Right, right. That's through my life. So, 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 so yeah. they're, they're acknowledging that killing is pleasurable. Well, BFC or <laughs> um, so, so it's it's for this reason that, that you feel games like that could be... Yeah, I, I just think that most people's argument against it is, oh, I should have the right to, I'm an adult, I have the right to play whatever I want to and I should be at least allowed to play this game and decide for myself whether I should... That's a very idealised view of the world that because it's an 18 rated game it will never get into the hands of children. If it does it's entirely the parents' fault and the parents should be controlling every second of their kids' lives. I think if it's on the market it will get into the hands of children and it won't always be the parents' fault. You know, parents are only human, they can't actually keep an eye on, their, on their, what their kids do when they're around their friend's house or when they're mm. you know, hanging out after school. And on that basis alone I think it's worth not having things out there which just delight in the pleasure of repeatedly killing killing repeatedly. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, uh, Kieran, you're a, you're a massive fan of grotesque violence. Um, yeah. how, do you, how, do you, how, how do you feel about about games with with? I mean, it, this is a very specific thing. This isn't just a game in which there are other things to do and there are adventures to be had, and then you can horrifically kill people. Um, this is where the sole object of the game is to absolutely mutilate people. I'm conflicted. I believe is probably the word. I mean, I, I suppose disagree with Tom completely in that I don't. I do. I'm very much the idealist position. I don't believe, uh, you know, in censorship per se. Whatever. I think it's a ludicrous position. However, I can see in a society which agrees in censorship, which of course we do, games which cross a certain boundary should be banned in the same way films should be banned because the law exists. The law exists there for a reason. In some ways, games being banned implies games being taken seriously. Yeah. Uh, which is not something I agree, you know, I don't agree with the system, but if the system exists, it should, this is what the system is for. Anyway, um, uh, speaking of X-rated games, why don't we talk about a little bit what we've been playing and what we've been up to lately? 
Um, I, I should have done this at the start, but I forgot. I got all excited about Fallout. <laughs> John, John, what have you been playing lately? What's, what's been on your, uh, on your screen? I've been replaying Psychonauts. Oh, really? Just for fun. Yeah. Now, I've been... I, I never played that at the time. Downloaded it the other day. Haven't started it yet. Is when you it, say downloaded it, it was, you mean from Steam, not from a BitTorrent site? Of course. Okay. <laughs> just, uh, really, I that's because it's I, free on Steam for us. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to ensure that PC Gamer does not use BitTorrent, nor do we, what's it? Do I distribute legal yeah. software yeah. Like, yes. on WoW? Right, exactly. Yes. Anyway, let's talk about Psychonauts, John. <laughs> um, I'm really excited because sometimes when you go back to a game after a couple of years or so, um, and you think, well, I suppose this is... And this time I actually think oh, it's even better than I remember, and yeah. I'm, really, really, I'm really excited by that. As, as a game or as an adventure game? Oh, as a game, because the one thing that has built up in my memory about being wrong with it was the platforming mm. and while when it's pure platforming it's at its most dull it's not nearly as bad as I think the myth has grown about it mm. um, but what I'm what I'm finding and of course the other thing is the first time I played it all the way through I was playing it to review it and so I had to get to the end so while I had a lot of time to play it um, yeah. I didn't have enough time just to hang around every single area and collect every single bit that's not normally how I play games, and this time it is. This time I'm collecting every single tiny detail I can possibly get, and because I'm doing that, I'm finding so many more details. This game is extraordinary. It sounds like you are you are wallowing in it. You yes, know, you're <laughs> taking a bath in psychonauts. Absolutely, luxurious. Wallowing in your own psychonauts. It's just really <laughs> in my own sick <laughs> psychonauts. Oh, I'm sorry about that. That was quite disturbing. I can imagine it would be. Yeah, but no, and it's beautiful. It's, and it's so funny. It's just been re-released on Steam, is that right? It's been on Steam for a while, I think. Okay. Yes. So, but it's, uh, it's it, out there. It's quite a price on Steam. Yeah, I think maybe there's a price reduction recently. Is it like oh, right. okay. I didn't notice. Seriously, buy it. It's really good. Hang on, this John Walker brilliant. didn't notice a price being reduced. John Walker, <laughs> king of their back, master of the budget. Well, hang on, oh, this, this oh, is my dear. half memory that it might have been reduced recently, maybe. <laughs> Well, we'll find out. And, oh, my job and give isn't John a thorough thrash. <laughs> and if it is, John's fired, and if it isn't, I'm fired. My job isn't to find out when things are on sale, just no, purely when they're released. Whatever. We just throw the games at him. Yeah. Anyway, game so corner. thank you for that, John. Um, Kieran, yeah. what, have, what have you been up to lately? I've been playing a, a video game called um, Lost Planet ah. on PC. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. Being X360 <laughs> comes to the PC, it's yeah. not really very good, is it? It's a bit embarrassing. So I hear. I've not played it yet. Jim, uh, Jim was playing it as well, wasn't he? Yeah. And I, because I, of I the dare portal. Say you two have been... Because of the port, because of the game, it's kind of an exciting co combo of uselessness. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those enormously frustrating games which I can sort of pick to pieces over a period of hours. What's good about it is, graphically, it's phenomenal. The artists have done an incredible job of designing the creatures and the world. And the, the, It's like, um, it's set on an ice planet. And all the animals have little red bits, which, of course, they're, they're thermal bits. And you shoot the thermal bits, and they explode. They f immediately freeze because it's so cold. And they splinter into millions of pieces, and you collect the thermal bits. So they're trying to create a justification for collecting all these little bits and pieces, which is actually quite neat. And, then it, and the monsters are enormous when they choose to be enormous and stuff like that. But the problems are, well, I don't even know where to start. Okay, start the port. The port's rubbish. It's one of those games which entirely believes the idea you've got to plug in an X360 pad, and it's not telling you the controls for your giant robots if you don't no. actually have it as in press the A or X button. I'm like, dude, I'm not even going to stick it in. But the fact I'm playing with the mouse makes the game so phenomenally easy. I went through to the final <laughs> boss, count, boss battle in less than five hours. So, in terms of aiming? In terms of aiming, because the fact yeah. that it's a game based primarily about hitting hot points, it's yeah. so much easier to hit the hot points. Right. I'm just walk I'm, I'm, I'm walking through without breathing. Yeah. Simultaneously, the acting, is, uh, the, the cutscene is <laughs> some of the worst I've seen in recent. I can't think, it, 
At least Metal Gear Solid 2 are trying to have some pretentious philosophy. This is just these... The lead character's called Wayne. He stands and <laughs> stares aimlessly at other characters who just say what they said back at him. Then they breathe, and it's all in a tiny darkened room. So, it's what, so useless. What interests me is it? Is it's not yeah, It's not useless. There's some really fun arcadey bits, but it's fundamentally flawed. It's so it's a bad port, but everyone's making a big fuss about how it's the first DirectX 10 game. And I'm actually sick of writing that, saying it, and hearing it. Um, so they've kind of cobbled together these DirectX 10 compatible graphics and not made it and not not ported the controls specifically. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, it's almost like if, I mean, suppose I've heard this conspiracy theory several places, but there's a few other games that have done this in terms of trying to encourage people to use plug in the X360 is this, is this more libel? It's not libel. It's, 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 it's people <laughs> make these conspiracy theories. Okay. And they're, they're trying to actively encourage people to plug in a 360 controller to the PC to just try to, to, to just try yeah. to actually create a, a linear, basically trying to make people not play on mouse and keys. And mm. I mean, a quite casual sort of move towards one universal controller, which would make, of course, designing games easier. But that's a bit rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly would be. I'd say an important thing about that game that defines it is the opening sequence of the game. You have to lose. The only way to win <laughs> is to lose. So everything you do to that stay alive is profound. wrong. But not, but not losing the wrong bit. You've got no. to get to a certain bit of that level, then lose. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think I can safely say I'm never going to play this game. Um, Actually, Tom, what, go on. To be go fair, Deus Ex is guilty of the same thing in yeah. one short bit. There's once there's a certain point past which you are screwed, and if you die at any point, then you'll wake up in prison, and that's how you progress in the game. So, although you're not punished exactly for carrying on fighting and getting to extra bits, and there is actually extra content for you and extra boss battles and stuff, you are just wasting ammo all the time because the end result will be the same. You'll wake up in prison, and eventually you'll get your equipment back, and there'll be less of it because you spent it all trying to. Stay alive when, so, in fact, it's possible. Deus Ex is rubbish. Yeah, yes, basically. Yes, uh, yes. It says it's at least as bad as Lost Planet. <laughs> There's one mechanic in Lost Planet I just want to specifically say. You collect the thermal energy to stay alive, basically. This creates an en- a secondary energy bar. As long as you're alive, your health bar gets knocked down and gets recharged from your energy bar. So as long as you've got collected thermal energy, you're basically invulnerable. It kind of takes at least two big hits from lasers at the same time to knock you down because you recharge so quickly. This is on normal. Conversely... Your actual energy bar ticks down. Kieran's doing some great hand gestures. <laughs> your energy bar ticks down slowly all the time because it's cold. <laughs> and if it ever hits zero, you just freeze to death. So it's got a weird timer based upon your character's energy bar. So most of the time it's fine and you're fundamentally invulnerable, so walls for the game. But occasionally you get a bit where no one's giving you any energy and you're in a long stand up fight. There's one memorable bit where I'm fighting an end of level boss. And I've killed it, and I'm waiting for its enormously long, lengthy death animation to go. <laughs> and, and I freeze to death whilst waiting for it. Uh, and, you know, what on earth is this rubbish? It means you can't stop and explore. It, 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 it's a game designed for these idiots who think games are a race. There is, there is a lot... Um, you can stop and explore, because most of the... Most, for 99% of the game, you're having over 8,000 uh, energy right. sitting in the bank. There, there's a lot of energy. The problem is, when energy disappears, it's like, well, what, why? <laughs> You know, it, uh, I would just want to punch the design. It's so old. <laughs> now that's libel, isn't it? No, it's not. I want to punch the design. Um, There's a threat can... that makes they can take yeah. to court for the reasons. Kieran is angry. I can see it in his face. It's all right. The, the good bits are good. It's not like <laughs> shocking revelation. It's like that sort of thing. What do you reckon you should do? <laughs> Low fifty. Complete the sentence. Kieran, Kieran's now sulking. And, and, and Tom, Tom, what have you been playing? Ah, so long since you asked me that question. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a list. Oh, God. You've got got two minutes. Oh, God. Well, 
Okay, I'm probably not going to say this, but later this week I'm going... In fact, by the time you hear this, I will have already gone to Boston to play Bioshock. Yes. And about which I'm so excited I could spit. And so in preparation this weekend, um, I played other irrational games, yeah. mainly Tribes Vengeance, which yes. is brilliant. We were talking about Tribes Vengeance the other day, and the thing I always remember is, oh, it had a good story. Everyone said it has a good story, it but but that's not really the thing for you, is it? A lot of story. Oh, right. <laughs> I would say it's a good story. And in fact, I, I kind of think it, it's brute force plot, because it's I don't care about any of the characters. None of the lines are good, and it, it keeps going on and on. I think, I don't care about this character, I don't care about this character, I don't care about this. And then... By the end of it, you just think, fucking hell, a lot happened in this game. <laughs> but I just completed it at the weekend, and the amount of actual story they managed to fit into it is extraordinary. You actually feel like you've got to the end of a proper epic, like Lord of the Rings or something. Wow. Um, but yeah, the, the reason it's brilliant is because it's essentially N in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Leaping around, because, um, shooting stuff. Yeah, in, in well, they the added um, skiing as a dedicated oh, yeah. control, which mm. previously had been kind of an exploit that people had discovered in the original tribes. Sliding down tribes down the hillsides, right? Yeah, previously you had to tap the jetpack key really rapidly to go down mm. um, a hill to get, pick up speed. Now you just hold a key, mm. and so that makes it like N in terms of gathering momentum by going on slopes and things. And it means that when you're approaching a situation... Um, like most kind of really big open games like Far Cry, you get pretty much total situational awareness. You get to see where all the enemies are, you get to plan your attack and everything. But because of the train makes such a difference to how fast you can move, because it's so difficult to change direction, you have to plan how you're going to skate through the whole area and also which enemies you're going to pick off what as you do it. So you don't really change direction once you start skiing. So you kind of get up a lot of height, you head towards a mountain, and then you just, you just plummet and hold down your skiing button. You hit the mountain at a really steep angle and shoot down and start carrying on more and more speed. And then you just slide the whole thing like you're on a rail. And all the while spinning around and shooting everyone as you pass. Awesome. <laughs> and it's just extraordinary. It's like ballet or something. So it's like that scene of Legolas in Lord of the Rings in the two Yeah, basically. Oh, Only you're using a spin fuser, which means you've also got to take into account that your projectiles inherit your velocity as well as their own. I so, knew there'd be maths involved, you perfect. <laughs> it's physics. You love anything with maths. <laughs> that is what I love, actually, because it <laughs> just means that... <laughs> you're actually getting out your I am a drawing a graph while you're playing. It's composite vectors in real time. Oh, God. <laughs> anything else? Anything less cerebral? Um, well, <laughs> System Shock 2, because once I could be Tries Vengeance, that was an extra rational game. I must admit, I didn't get through it on Sunday afternoon. Um, but Weakling. It's having now played Bioshock briefly at a preview event. Um, it is remarkable how similar it is to System Shock 2. The storytelling methods are exactly the same. It's got mm. people speaking in your ear, yeah. people reading, yeah. uh, sorry, people talking on logs that you find and can listen to whenever you like, and ghosts appearing in front of you to tell you their story. And also just the things that the, the previous erstwhile citizens of the place mm. say as they kind of lumber towards you and try and attack you. I'm very excited about Bioshock, and it's, um, we will be bringing you a review soon in the future. That's all I'm going to say for now. I was chatting to Ken on Sunday. You seemed in good spirits. Oh, just, <laughs> I think he just dropped a name there. <laughs> it's just under your mic stand. Yeah. Clang. <coughs> well, Ken Levine, by the way, was the writer and biz guy on Tribes Vengeance. Biz guy. Yeah, and yeah. I'd say the writing is very bad, and <laughs> the biz guy was obviously very bad too because he didn't sell anything. <laughs> I, I, I went to promise uh, well, does it? I went to Paris to look at Tribes uh, before it was released. And he was there, and I didn't know <laughs> that it was him. <laughs> so I missed an opportunity to meet him and talk to him. I was so embarrassed afterwards. I actually bumped into him in a hotel in LA recently. We were both just staying at the same time. It was really genuinely weird. Okay, I think you just dropped another name. It was a really good hotel. It's the same, it's the same one. That's all right, though, because I was there too. Oh, it, and was, in fact, it was just weird. I, was... I offered to work for him on two different occasions. <laughs> <laughs> that was you do that. I'm going to stop sending you on press because you do that every time. <laughs> he was an incredible Mr. Sucker. Chaining himself to Valve's gates. <laughs> 
He's um, my dad, and I met him on the moon. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's pretty um, good. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll be interested to know, I've not been playing any games for the last four days, because and this is where the next the, the segue comes along. <laughs> so good. Is that I've just been to, I just got back from Berlin this morning, um, uh, with my two very good friends, Mark and Luke, and we took the train there and back overnight. It was quite an adventure. But, it's got very wet. But I, yeah. Um, but um, we went to a, a nuclear bunker. There's, there's, there are nuclear bunkers all over Berlin. We went down into one that supposedly holds three and a half thousand people. Um, and those, these were built in the 70s. And I was, we were going down there on like a tour. I was thinking, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be just like Fallout. There's going to be all kinds of you know, rooms and, and stuff and things. And that's going to be brilliant. And you go down there and it's terrifying because there are three and a half thousand bunk beds, four high, and just stacked all up against each other. And the guy showing us, guy showing us around said, yeah, three and a half thousand people in. This thing's about half the size of a football field, one massive room. And he said, yeah, there are a few technical faults, like um, the air filter would only last uh, 16 days. Um, so basically, yeah, you survive the first two weeks of the nuclear war, then you come outside because you have to, and then you die uh, after two weeks of, uh, of, of horror down in the, um, in the bunker. But anyway, the other thing that got me thinking, do we have time to talk about this? Well, we've got a few minutes. Um, so, did lots of cultural things in Berlin, as well as getting extraordinarily drunk several times. Um, we went to see lots of museums, and of course, um, in Berlin, you're going to encounter things about the Second World War. So, I learned a lot about that. It's very interesting. Um, but the way, that, the way that modern Germany portrays the Second World War, and Nazism in, in particular, is, look at this, this was really bad, and we are moving on now. We are moving on with Germany because it's, you, just, you, you don't dwell on this stuff. It was just too horrible. Why do games just keep on dwelling on the Second World War? And in particular, I think, Nazis are just like an easy target. Look at them, comedy guys with their big, you know... <laughs> they are an easy target. You know, the AI is often games. very poor. Yeah, <laughs> so hey. But, um, yeah, why are we just so obsessed with, with you know, German Second World War Nazis? Is, is, is it just because they're an easy target and doesn't cause too much political hassle these days? Um, I, I went to a trip to Poland... And we went to Camp Wolf. And Poland has the exact opposite position to Germany, whereas Germany would rather forget it to move on. Mm. Um, Poland, well, not, not forget it, but, no, but move on. Sorry, I realise. Uh, yeah. uh, Poland has the exact opposite. Everything is left. The uh, U-boat locks are left there. The, um, the bunkers are left there. Camp Wolf, the uh, Hitler's bunker where the attempt, attempted assassination took place, is there. And nothing's been destroyed, nothing's been put down. And the reason for keeping it, they say, is to remind them, to forget would be the worst thing you could possibly do. Mm. And I think, um, this, and the Call of Duty guys, they always talk about this, especially their, um, it's Colonel Hank, is that his name? Um, Hank Kinsey, Kinsey, something like that. Um, he's a consultant on all the games. He, he points out that there's very few people left alive from World, World War II. Um, he says, this, this, if, you, if you don't talk to them in the next five years, mm. you'll never talk to them ever. Yeah. And you're going to miss, all these stories are going to die. And with that motivation, they want to maintain it, they want to remember it. So I wonder whether that is a motivation of at least some. Keep it alive. Yeah, but I, I, I can see what you mean, but so few games actually take the period historically seriously. No. I think Wolfenstein is always a, is, is a, a pretty bad example of this. Um, you know, just let's make a shooter, what's an easy target, let's have some comedy Nazis. And even the Medal of Honor games, which are ostensibly serious, got progressively more arcadey to the point where on the console ones you have giant spinning, flashing power-ups, and a Medal of Honor Airborne, if you get a really good shot, it says Marksman Award, and goes into bullet time, and then you have to shoot people r more rapidly in order to gain upgrades to your weapons. 
I, I, I remember a, a particular moment in the Medal of Honor series when I think we, we knew it was uh, it was becoming arcadey. Kieran, uh, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm not actually. I'm trying to remember what tank it was. health. Oh yeah, the tank <laughs> health pack. I remember that. <laughs> it was, that was, it was awesome. an add-on, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was one of the original. Yeah. I think. Um, tank health. You'd be driving around in your tank and like. Oh no, my arm is going down a bit. And you, you drive over a big kind of flashing box. Boring. This seems to me to be very firmly making entertainment out of it rather than remembering it. Yes. I, asked, I asked the Arab Victory guys why they've chosen to do World War II and not, say, aliens from the future. Um, because you could essentially replace Nazis with aliens and, mm -hmm. and have a very similar game in a different setting. And they said because World War II sells well. <laughs> it does, which is uh, absolutely tragic. And it goes back to a few other things we were talking about earlier. You know, you take Fallout. You don't get that many games based on that kind of um, setting, yet it's such a great setting. It gives you loads of freedom, it gives loads of atmosphere. You don't get games like Psychonauts. <laughs> you know, that is, they're, they're, that's one in a million. And you know, Bioshock. It's so imaginative. Bioshock, absolutely, it's great. Then these things should be one in a million. We don't really want more just like Psychonauts yeah. or more yeah. just like well, Bioshock. Mind the you, good the thing about them is that they're sci-fi. The fact is, I suppose, we've, we've, just, we've just reeled off a good few examples of imaginative games. So we're not, we're not drowning in World War II, no. I suppose, but my, it does seem to be um, my, not going away. My gripe is that I just find it sad when a really good developer who I love and want to enjoy their games sets their next game in World War II, because it means I won't be able to enjoy it, because I just find the whole thing so depressing and dreary. Mm. It's mm. funny, I mean, it's one of the things people say, why the hell didn't um, Call of Duty sell? Not Call of Duty, sorry, Company of Heroes. Mm. Company of Heroes did okay. Yeah. I thought it did. So everyone it didn't do as well as um, everyone, everyone, well, Dark Crusade. Hasn't expansion done as well pack as, for as Dawn of War. Dawn of War, no. Dawn of War has sold extraordinarily well. Um, Company of Heroes may just have been lost in the World War II um, rush. The, the, <laughs> in World the, War II? The, 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 the tank rush. Um, uh, that, that could be the reason. I mean, it's a great game. Mm. I mean, yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I was saying so. about developers who I want to play their games but can't yeah. because they set them in World War II. Yeah. You know, I'm desperate to play the next Relic game but I can't quite bring myself to get excited about mud and tank tracks. Mm. I just wish they'd done Dawn of War 2 instead, which I'm sure they will eventually. Let's hope so. Do you know nothing? <laughs> I hinted that I did. <laughs> Exclusive announcement of Dawn of War 2 brought to you today. It's really quite a shame for the court. I mean, for, for a different way in that it's more the case that they're aware that they had money after doing Dawn of War to make their own IP, trying to make their own IP. Mm -hmm. And they want to, every developer wants to make their own IP they can then return to and make money off. And right, support. because because Dawn of War was a Warhammer thing, it was licensed, yeah. they never owned it. Yeah, there's got the, the only thing they've ever owned is Homeworld, I think. Homeworld and uh, that Impossible Creatures. Yeah. Yes. Um, Which no one bought. Because it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> where, sorry. Where but the thing is, yes. okay, we've got one, now we've got another chance because we've got enough money to make our own game. We've got. Uh, World War Two that works and that that's, that allows us to do lots of really cool things and they did they make they completely reinvented the World War Two RTS it's genuinely very good but it was just slightly too late and I, what I find quite interesting is um, World in Conflict mm -hmm. uh, let's do Cold War and Cold War's a great setting yeah now that's that <laughs> you is, know I'll be playing true. the beta for that and I'm probably under NDA but it's <laughs> Kieran just made thumbs up noise uh, uh, signs at the at the microphone um, the last word on World War Two here's a thought talking about licenses. Thing about making a World War Two game is you don't have to pay anyone to do a World War Two game. It's a free license. Great design work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not you, you, some great costumes. Everything's done for you. Yeah, they they did have. Now you're talking like Brian Ferry. <laughs> On that note, gentlemen, I think we'd better call it a day for the uh, for this particular podcast. Um, please do go out and buy the new issue of PC Gamer. It's um, it's got Fallout Three on the cover. Uh, and written an uh, excellent feature inside, written by um, who is it again? By some up and coming writer, uh, 
Russell Otter, something like that. Something like that. And um, that's out on the 5th of July. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we'll be doing another one in four weeks' time. And um, thank you in the meantime. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm, no, I'm, I'm thanking you. You're I'm thanking you for thanking me. Oh, bless you. <laughs> thank you, Kieran. Damn me. Damn me to hell. <laughs> and thank you, John. I love you, Ross. I love me too. Um, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.